Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, of Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover. Greg, joined as always by my partner in crime, Lucha Larry. You know him as Larry Slocks 2 on Twitter. I know him as Bill Christie. It is good to have him back. It's been a little while, Bill. I know you've been busy uh, with a little bit of a move, so I'm sure uh, your life has been a little hectic outside <laughs> <laughs> yes, to say the least. And I feel like everybody says the same thing when it's all about moving. It's you just never realize how much shit you have until you're moving from one place to another. Like I can't tell you how many things I've found over the last course of the week or so and been like, I didn't even realize I had this. You know what I mean? I probably sure. bought it thinking I didn't have it anymore and now, you know, I got two of them. But um yeah, everything's trying starting to sell down now, so that's nice and you know, we're in the the thick of it here with, you know, we got Stanley Cup playoffs it's wrapping up. Same thing with NBA. We're in the uh, the middle of the MLB season now. We got football coming up in a couple of months. Looking forward to that. So, yeah, in, in the in the PGA sports Tour. world, it keeps going. Yeah, PGA Tour. We'll have some plays with that, too. That never stops. We have the incredible classic U.S. Open. Um this past weekend, which was great to watch. Yeah, I don't that, know was, if you, that was entertaining. It really was. I was ta- I watched the uh, the final couple holes with my brother-in-law, um, who's an avid uh, better as well. And I said to him uh, before um, John Rahm made those back-to-back birdies to finish up. I said to him, "It's crazy." After round one, I said I looked at to see what the over/under was for the winning score, and they set it at. Uh, minus six. <laughs> and 
Yeah, sure enough, as I say it, Rom goes birdie, birdie, you go from 400 right. to yeah. six under, and that holds. Wow. And I'm like, that's just – it's crazy because you, you look at it and you're like, all right, there's guys that are already five under after day one. So they have the potential to go up to eight, nine, potentially ten under for the tournament. And in classic U.S. Open fashion, you know, you saw all those scores drop back down. You saw a cut line that was – uh, in the positive scores as always, and then on the last, the last day, last really the last hour of golf, you had I don't know how many guys. I think it was ten tied at four under, and all of a sudden, you know, more than half of those guys dropped off. We saw a guy like Harris English come up as a, sure. with being yeah. three under, finishing in the top five. Like it was exciting. I, I absolutely love love the U.S. Open. Uh, for those reasons. Yeah, you know, you've always said that you like to see the golfers challenged, and certainly exactly. the USGA does a good job of that year in and year out. It's funny, I was watching uh, with several people at the golf course here in the town I work in, in northern Minnesota, and uh, one of them was, uh, I mean, everybody we were watching at the golf course was pretty avid into golf, but one of the guys said after Rom went birdie-birdie, he's like, it, it's over. And I was yeah. like, well, what are you talking about? Ustazen's only... I think two back, you know, it's still there to be had. He's like, dude, this is the U S open. Like the fact that he just did that makes this a very steep hill to climb for Usti. And, you know, if you remember on 17, Usti's had about a 10 ish footer, I think for par, par. which basically, you know, had he missed that, it would have definitely been over. And um, he hit a good approach that, gave him a good look at that par putt and it was a real one of those typical u.s open pars where like he had to kind of grind his way to it and then on 18 right off 18 t you knew it was over because he had to eagle the 18th and he missed the fairway and it's a par five and it just didn't really have much of a lie to really attack the green on that second shot so uh but nonetheless uh you know pretty cool seeing john rom get his first major especially given the circumstances obviously with you know, the COVID stuff kind of screwing them there at the memorial, uh, albeit not a major, but uh, still that was a, a tough circumstance. It was his first Father's Day, so he had that going for him as well. So uh, pretty cool stuff. And um, I will say, I, I think we've maybe talked about this. We've done some golf pods the last couple of months with the PGA Championship and the Masters. I don't know about you, Bill, but I'm not – I don't really dig the re- – change to bumping the PGA from August to May because now we sit here with the summer really just getting started for a lot of people and we only have one golf major left and you know I I just I always like having the PGA in August and I'm a tennis guy so you get the U.S. Open on the tennis side to kind of wrap up the summer and once we crown champions in the NHL and the NBA then we're kind of just left with baseball uh, you know, as far as the core four American sports. And so I liked having the end of summer majors in golf and tennis. And now obviously uh, the open will be in a month or so there at the end of July. And, and that'll be it for the major. So I, I don't love the change. No, yeah, I'm not a huge fan either, but this year we have in the Ryder cup, right? That's right. That's right. I forgot how close about that. You, now, how close are you to, uh, what's it? It's in whistling straights, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah, so that that would be a little bit of a hike. You know, it's funny you say that because that's in that's in the Milwaukee area, correct? Uh, Boy, I Wisconsin. So. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So, huh, I uh, I know we, we we don't have to spend a lot of time talking about this, but I was talking with my 
dad on Father's Day, of course, and, uh, you know, he kind of clowned me a bit because I said, you know, hey, if the Sixers win, they play the Bucks. Uh, <laughs> it's about a 10-hour drive from where I am to Milwaukee. I said, I'll probably road trip and go see him play there. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know if you believe in the jinx or not, but. <laughs> oh, you know I do very, very well believe in I, the, believe yeah. in the jinx. Oh, jeez. So, but no, so you know, it's I, your didn't fault. Even, I didn't even think about it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's my fault. I didn't even think of that, though. I guess Ryder Cup is in September normally, right? Yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah I, honestly, I cannot. I That's probably one of my favorite events. Oh, um, yeah. No, I would, I'm would. i definitely going to look into it more now because um, I've only been to one live golf event, and I kind of got hosed with the rain on a moving day at Baltus Roll at the PGA Championship mm-hmm. in 2016 in North Jersey. And uh, they were going to let the Saturday crew back in on Monday had the final round not finished up after finishing the third round on Sunday as well. But they got it all in on Sunday. So, yeah, no, uh, I didn't even think about that, uh, I guess, because what the Ryder Cup was supposed to be last year, right? It's normally right, the even. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So do you know, are, there, are we getting back to back Ryder Cups or we is are. The next 23? No, I think we're getting back to back. I'm pretty sure that's what I read uh, earlier this week when I was taking a look at it. Okay. And and the other thing I'm curious about, um, do they move that event uh, from, because it's obviously always the States versus Europe, uh, would it be in Europe in 2022? That would be my assumption. Which is every other Ryder Cup as right. far as state size versus a European course? Exactly, yes. Right. I'm trying to pull up as we talk. <laughs> gotcha. Well, anyway, um, I, I guess... While we're on it, I, I got to get your thoughts uh, since I touched on it very briefly uh, there. Are you uh, shipping Ben out for the best offer this summer? Yeah. And and, yeah. and honestly, I I was like – I was holding out as much as I could with it and and living with the fact that, you know, he's – what was he? Was he first team all defense or – yeah, I think he was first oh, team all defense. And, second the DPOI voting. Uh, and – Look at he he does a lot of things that many players can't. It's just and I, and I have a group text with a couple guys that that are big basketball, big NBA guys, and uh, talking about this. And I said, the one one of my buddies is like all about Ben. Let's keep him. You know he he's the reason why Trey Young wasn't able to go off and yada yada. And I said to him, listen, <laughs> I get that, I understand that, I respect that, but. There's two parts to the game, right? There's offense and there's defense. And when you get a guy doing what he was doing in in the latter part of that series against the Hawks where he was coming down the offensive end and he literally – and we all know he was terrified. He was terrified to shoot the ball. He was terrified to get the ball because he just felt like he was yeah. going to be fouled. And when he gets to that point, you know – and I, and again, I've only you coached – You can't have at, him on the court. Right. I've only coached at the high school level. But even at that level – when a guy can't be a threat, and by threat, I mean you don't have to shoot. People get that like misconception. Oh, my God, he can't shoot. That's why. No, it has nothing to do with the fact that he can't He wasn't even shoot. doing his normal attack the bat. Exactly. Five, six, goal, goal exactly. If you are not a threat offensively, these guys can play five on four defensively, and the fact that they're that good, that athletic, it gives them such an advantage on the defensive end. So when I'm looking at it that way, it's like – as much as he can be an asset defensively for us, he's he's a bigger um, 
he's a bigger issue on our offensive end to the to the point where it's in my opinion it's not worth it to keep him around and the amount of money that he's making is disgusting um so i think i think it's only only thing he can do is is to ship him off and i got a funny feeling that we are going to be seeing that after we heard the comments from doc and you heard the comments from daryl Morey and you know it just doesn't seem like a and then you had the the random text message that Stephen A. Smith read off right. on uh, on the air. So when you hear those types of things, it's like, yeah, it doesn't sound like he's going to be around too much longer. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point for him, you know, I've heard some people kind of comparing it to the Markel Fultz situation. I don't know that that's totally fair to Ben because we've at least seen a little more from him on the court in the regular season. But you go through enough of these playoff disappointments, this is probably the worst one, and nothing's changing. I think he needs to go to a team where they're rebuilding and and they can just say, do this in the game because we don't care if we win or not because that's not our objective right now. We're trying to you know, turn our roster over and we want you to be a part of it and we want you to kind of rebuild your offensive game, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so that's obviously not a fit for a Sixers team that's trying to win a championship or really any contender. I really don't see him being a great fit on right now. I think the one thing that you can take from the Fultz situation that probably would be comparable here would be Fultz ended up on a rebuilding team like the Orlando magic where, you know, the, the wins and losses just weren't that important uh, to that team. So I think that's kind of the environment that Ben needs smaller market probably. And, you know, if the Sixers don't have a direct player on one of those teams and they're going to have to involve a third team, but uh-huh. um, I definitely think it's time to move on. And, you know, the one thing too, Bill, that I want to pick your brain on there is um, just how about the, like, how do you view losing to Atlanta? Because I looked at it and said, because I know there were some people that felt, well, they wouldn't have beaten Milwaukee or Brooklyn anyway. So who cares? Like they, this just wasn't their year. Like I've heard that take thrown out that like a couple of my buddies have just felt like, yeah, well they weren't winning the next round anyway. And why they're the one seed in the East. Right. Could they not come on? Yeah. I don't get that argument at all. No, I think there I And listen, like, even if you want to argue that, then like, if you want to say, okay, well, Brooklyn really didn't care about their seed all year and, Milwaukee, you know, is what it is. They were in the mix, but didn't quite get there. That's fine. But it was a chance to get to the conference finals for the first time in 20 years. And at that point, you're one of four teams left. How can you? I mean, Atlanta just won tonight, you know. So how can you not take a chance to have a seat at the table uh, in the final four in any sport, even if you don't think the team is necessarily a championship roster you know no and if i would have told you uh either preseason or early on in, in the season that hey we're going to be up there and you know, this is saying if we were to beat atlanta and we're going to be facing the bucks in the in the eastern conference finals and on the other side you're going to face the winner of the clippers and the suns what kind of chance would you give the sixers sure i, I yeah. would think a very good chance right because we saw what happened to the bucks last season not much changed with that team. And you look at the other side, you're like, the Suns. Like, you got to be kidding me. You know, and the Clippers, okay, maybe. But if I would have even said, oh, 
the Clippers without Kawhi because I don't think he's coming back this year uh, from everything I've read. So, um, and I, I mean, like you said, like it's been a one opportunity to get there at the Eastern Conference Finals in so many years, and I, I love Embiid. Um, I just don't know how much longer he's going to have. I mean, we see how much he gets injured. And speaking of Embiid all, and comments, how about his comment? And that's the other thing, by the way, like when you have a superstar player in the NBA, you need to do everything you can to keep him happy. And I'm not saying that Embiid certainly doesn't seem like the type of guy that would look to jump ship the minute he hits free agency. He seems pretty committed to the Sixers. But having said that, that doesn't mean you want to try and toe the line at all. He's clearly your best player. And. I understand he's a big, but, you know, he can stretch the floor and shoot. Like, I I don't really have any doubt that you can build a championship team around him. And much like we saw Denver get to the conference finals last year, and we're seeing Phoenix in the conference finals right now with Dominic Biggs and Nikola Jokic and DeAndre Ayton, you just need the Devin Booker, Jamal Murray on the Sixers right now. And that's what you can hopefully find in a trade for Ben. But, gosh, it's going to be – Hard to know what his market is like and and where his value's at and what kinds of players you're going to be able to get for him straight up and how much are you willing to attach, you know, in in terms of bringing in a higher-end player that Simmons does not get you in a straight-up trade. You know, all that stuff is obviously going to be stuff they want to sift through. I'll be honest, I don't love the thought of, you know, attaching a Tyrese Maxey or a... you know in because not that i wouldn't move those guys but if i were to move one of them i would prefer that it's in another move because then it just feels like you're throwing all your eggs in this big trade in this one move and i don't want to kind of put all my ammo in that so we'll see yeah i'm with you on that same same feelings so anyway let's get into it we are a gambling podcast had to get a little uh (laughs) Sixers therapy off of our our chests. Uh, I want to get us started with a pick on the ice. We just saw, I was waiting for it to finish before I jumped on here. The New York Islanders force a game seven in uh, the Stanley Cup semifinal against the Tampa Bay Lightning. They'll try and knock out the defending champs on Friday night. On Thursday night, I think we're going to see one of the spots in the Stanley Cup final clinched. And it is going to be from the most unlikely of contenders. The Montreal Canadiens were the 16th seed out of the 16 that made the playoffs. uh, And they stunned their arch rival, the Toronto Maple Leafs, coming from 3-1 down in that first round series against Toronto. And since then, we've seen a red-hot Habs team. Uh, They obviously won all four games. They swept Winnipeg, never trailed in the series. So between the sweep of Winnipeg and the 3-1 comeback against Toronto, Montreal had won seven in a row. Vegas took it to them pretty good in game one of this Stanley Cup semifinal, but the Habs did not go away winning games two and three. Uh, Game two, they were pretty much in control of most of the way in Sin City. Came back home to Montreal, got a little bit of a break with Marc-Andre Fleury misplaying the puck behind his own net late in regulation to give them the tying goal. And then a 2 on 0 ended up being the game winner for Josh Anderson uh, to give Montreal a 2-1 lead. Then we saw Vegas pull out an overtime winner of them of their own 
um, and send it back to Vegas, tied it two. Then it was a really another just sound defensive goaltending performance from Montreal in game five uh, in Vegas to send it back to Quebec with the Habs leading three games to two. And, you know, there's not a whole lot else to it for me in terms of handicapping this game other than I get a hot goalie in Carey Price. I get a team that we see so often in the Stanley Cup playoffs, these kind of intangibles and buzzwords like destiny kind of come into play. We saw it a couple of years ago with the St. Louis Blues and that really three, four month run that they were on, having been the worst team in the NHL about halfway through the season and going all the way to winning the Stanley Cup. I don't know that Montreal is going to beat either the Tampa Bay Lightning or the New York Islanders, but I do feel pretty good at getting them at a plus price here that they're going to be a live underdog at home against a Vegas team that is facing some adversity here. And now I think there's legit questions about which goalie they're going to start, Robin Leonard or Marc-Andre Fleury, after going back to Fleury in Game 5 while Leonard won Game 4 in Montreal. you know, And, and Fleury obviously not at his best in that fifth game. I just think right now there's probably a little bit of an uneasy feeling for the Knights in the sense that they were the heavy favorite here. They were a over $5 favorite on the series price and uh, Montreal is hot and they're playing with house money and they, they don't seem to be phased at all by the moment. There are some veterans on this Habs team, uh, you know, Shea Weber, I mentioned Carey Price, Tyler Toffoli has a lot of playoff experience with Vancouver and the Kings. So I think right now, like I said, not a lot of a, a statistical handicap, more so a situational thing for me here where I'm getting what I believe to be the more confident team in Montreal at a plus price at home with the more consistent goaltending right now when I don't even know who the goalie is for Vegas. Uh, and the Knights were the underdog against Colorado. And obviously this is a totally different role for them in this round with a lot of expectations and they don't seem to be handling it nearly as well. So all of that has me on Montreal at uh, about plus a dollar and a quarter. It looks like on the money line at home to punch their ticket to the Stanley cup final. And I'll be honest, even if they lose, I'm going to get them at a bigger price in game seven would probably take it again. Just kind of how I've been rolling with some of these dogs in the Stanley Cup playoffs, Islanders, same thing. They've been a dog. The Islanders have actually every single game that they've played in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So uh, they have been uh, pretty impressive themselves. Bill, I know you haven't been dabbling a ton on the ice. I know in the, what was it, the first round you were doing that yeah. alternate stuff in the middle of the game. That I imagine with the move, you probably didn't quite have the time to sit down and watch that hockey games and do that <laughs> no yeah exactly not much hockey on this end did you just say that the islanders have been they've been dogs they've been in every single game in every single game yes i heard that on the <sighs> i watched the i live right near the canadian border so i was watching the canadian broadcast the other night and i heard that and i was like that's crazy to think about but then i looked back and thought well you know they were playing pittsburgh in the first round and you know the islanders finished fourth in the east and pittsburgh was first and you know, then they were playing Boston, and Boston had beaten Washington in five in the first round. It looked pretty good. And now they're playing the defending champs. So, <laughs> obviously a tough road to hoe for the Islanders, but now they're one game from getting to the final. Yeah, best of luck to you on that. Like I said, yeah, I haven't been following much of the hockey action as of recent. Um, but I guarantee once it gets to the uh, 
to the finals. I'll be I'll be tuning into those because they're always exciting. Yeah, they certainly are. I don't have much on the links, but I know you're going to take us to the Travelers Championship. You got a couple of matchup plays and a few props. Yeah, so I think I mentioned before I run a uh, a FanDuel fantasy uh, league for for the PGA season each year. I think this is our fifth or sixth year doing it. Um, and I've I've been noticing recently between that and, and just handicapping matchups that I've been seeing uh, a lot of success with guys who just have had really good uh, outings in previous years at the same uh, either same venue, uh, same tournament. Um, and then when you have you know different tournaments where you know, those types of things don't align, you have you know maybe it's a Pete Dye course or, or something like that where you can pull some statistics that way. Uh, but looking at it in that frame, I was able to find a few plays that uh, really interest me in this coming tournament, the Travelers. And I want to start with a top 40 pick. Um, I'm going to be playing Brent Snedeker at plus 140 to finish within the top 40. Um, I obviously like him to make the cut. Uh, the cut being only, I think, is a top 50 or 60 with ties. Uh, so I just need Sneeze to make the cut and then kind of sneak into that top 40 number. Uh, and in the past, last year he finished 41st, um, previous year 43rd, and then uh, in 15 and 17 he finished top 10 and top 14. So he's got finishes up there um, and close to it the last two years. Uh, so I'm going to be playing him at the plus money, plus 140. I think there's some decent value there. Uh, in the top 130, I'm going to be playing uh, Kevin Streelman, who's been playing some really good golf. Um, and when he's been at the Travelers, it's been pretty impressive. Last year, he finished second. Uh, previous year, he finished 15th. 18. 2018, he finished 33rd. 2017, he finished 8th. So uh, a lot of top uh, 30 finishes there for Kevin Stroman. So at only minus 110, I like I like his number on that. And then the two tournament matchups I'm going to be on, uh, I'm going to be playing Casey. Paul Casey's been playing good golf again. Uh, and Casey has been... In the top, wow, in the top 30, it looks like, since 2015. So 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, yeah. He's been in the top, sorry, last year he finished in 32nd. But previous to that, he's got two top, two, fit two sorry. Previous to that, he's got two finishes in second. He's got two finishes in fifth, and he's got a 17th in there. So he's been playing unbelievable um, here at this course in, the, in this championship. So I'm going to be playing Casey over DJ, who doesn't seem right. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know what it is exactly, but he just doesn't seem he just doesn't seem like the normal uh, intimidating DJ that we've come to know. And I don't know if it's because of this other matchup that I'm about to go dive into here has kind of taken center stage. Um, with some other big hitters, and that's that's Bryson and Brooks. You know, I feel like that's been the talk of of golf, especially outside of sure. uh, you know the diehard guys. More so the you know, the casual fans. People know who Bryson, DeChambeau, and and Brooks Kepka are now. Uh, hearing all this other stuff that's off outside the golf course and and what well, have you. So quick, yeah. Why are they playing? And I don't think I'm gonna watch this. Why are they playing the the match with Bryson and uh, Rogers against Phil and Tom Brady? Why is that like the Tuesday after the Fourth of July? Like, I guess I guess that they're that's is that what it was last year too though? I thought it was Memorial Day weekend last year. You might you might be right. It was definitely around a holiday. 
I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'll probably tune in and watch it just because it's going to be if it's if they're mic'd up, I'll definitely be watching it. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's pretty bizarre. And and that being said, like the I don't know if you remember the original, the first ever match was was a pay per view event. Oh, like, wasn't it just a Phil versus Tiger? Thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like I feel like that's what we're gonna get. I feel like we're gonna get a Bryson versus Brooks pay per view. Like you know, it would sell. You know, with the amount of people that are talking about it right now. Um, and I don't know. I mean, is Bryson going to agree to it? I feel like Brooks would. I, 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 to be honest, like, I feel I feel like this is, a, is like, a, not a stunt, but, like, a publicity thing. Like, I think that, yeah, I don't think that they, like, are going to hang out and have a beer and, and talk and stuff. But I think they talk enough to the point where, like, they know this is good for both of them. Do you know what right. I mean? Like, from a brand right. standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, like, this is gold. You know, this is almost like wrestling, like, in the 90s. Like, these guys, the way that they're talking about each other and, you know, each one has, like, this little uh, on-air thing that'll pop up and all of a sudden it gets this buzz around it again. And let's be real, without Tiger, like, Goff just never really, at least to me, feels like it's ever the center of attention without Tiger. But recently it kind of feels like it has been because this – these two guys are younger guys. Well, and, and even before he won in 2019 at Augusta, we kind of got used to life without him on the tour. Yeah. And, I mean, there's so many talented young guys out there that, I mean, I'm not going to act like it's better than it was with him, but, but I, I mean, it certainly hasn't lost its entertainment value for me. No, 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 no absolutely. I'm just talking about more so for like I would get again like casual fans and sure. you know outside the normal realm of people that are watching because you know Barstool is the is like the driving force for that age gap and they're the ones that are just kind of stirring the pot I feel like and now they have that foreplay pod that right. you know those guys are all about it too so it, it makes it interesting but that being said uh and I and I'm I'm team Brooksy for sure like oh, you got it. Me out of yeah. my mind uh however I do like money, and uh, I'm going to be playing Bryson over Brooks in this one. Bryson's been playing really good golf um, consistently. Obviously, he, he had a little bit of a meltdown there at the end of the U.S. Open. Um, but overall, he's been playing really well. And, and let's be real. Like, Brooks just shows up, I feel like, in, in the in the majors. Like, I don't see him taking this tournament serious at all after uh, playing as well as he played uh, last week at the Open. And DeChambeau, his – his track record here has been pretty, uh, pretty amazing. Going back to 2016, where he finished 47th. Since then, it's it's only gotten better. He went in 2017, he finished 26th. 2018, he finished 9th. 2019, he finished 8th. And then last year, he finished 6th. Uh, I just see that trend continuing. Um, and on the other side of it, again, Brooksville doesn't take these kind of tournaments too, too serious. Um, it, his last top 50 finish was in 2018. He finished at 19th. And in 2016, he finished at 9th. But outside of that, he wasn't even in the top 50 in this tournament. So I like taking Bryson here. Uh, and then I got a couple three-ball ones that I'm going to throw out there, just mainly because of their value. Uh, Zach Johnson, who's got a pretty good history at this, this course, um, over Tony Merritt and Luke Donald, two guys that, that aren't playing great golf. Zach Johnson, don't get me wrong, has been playing uh, – subpar golf as well but i'm getting good value at plus 155 on him um and the guy who i i, I really like to be up there with 
with the Shambo to uh, to fight for the the win in this tournament is Patrick Cantley um, taking him at plus one ten over Mark Leishman and he and I don't even know how to say this guy's name Higo or Hijo whatever H I G G O. Cantley though has been has been tough and he's only been the last three years but um, finished in eleventh last year finished in fifteenth the year before and uh, same thing in two thousand eighteen uh, and it seemed like he was kind of rounding the form a bit. Uh, last weekend with the U.S. Open, so I'm going to be playing Cantley in the three ball here. And again, like I mentioned, I think Bryson and uh, and Cantley are going to be my two picks to to win this one outright. Again, I'm not going to be playing them, I'm not going to be putting them out as plays, um, but a chance that I might play them on a personal level for a real, real small amount, maybe a tenth of a unit or so. So that's all I got for the Travelers. I know you want to hit the diamond a bit. Yeah, no, and I will say too. You mentioned Paul Casey. He is. I feel like he's one of those guys that you know it does doesn't wow you and isn't a, a hot name within mm-hmm. a lot of events. But you just kind of see him on the leaderboard a lot and on the first, second, third page somewhere in the mix, top ten, top twenty. I, I had him on an outright ticket at the U.S. Open, and I, I'll be honest, like most of my guys didn't do too well Thursday, Friday. And the next thing I know their case, he was at one point, I think he was three back on the back nine on Sunday. Now he was much further ahead than the leaders uh, on the golf course, but you know, he, he is one of those guys that, um, you know, it's just seem seemingly a, a consistency machine. And I think the bigger thing that you mentioned there with uh, Brooks is uh, kind of the opposite of that in terms of like somebody that, kind of structures the schedule around the majors. And you always have to wonder, right? We talk about motivation with the uh, core four American sports when we handicap here. Like mm-hmm. you do have to wonder with that a little bit too, with some of these non-major events on the golf courses, like, you know, how much do they treat it as essentially a tune up or, uh, you know, just to see where their game's at, you know, are they really playing to win? Like what's their strategy on the golf course? And uh, you know, I, I think that's probably worth considering. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, like Kepka, I don't think he takes most of these seriously. There's other guys out there who, and I think you start to see it more, you know, after the cut's been made, guys that, you know, aren't big, big names that are on tour, all of a sudden you see these names start to pop up pretty consistently in these in these smaller tournaments because, like you said, like they're they're looking at it as a as a payday more than anything. You know what I mean? The, if they can climb up that leaderboard, they're they're climbing up the the money number too. So, you know, those types of guys I like to look at. Uh, come come moving to, uh, yeah moving day on uh on the Saturday and, and see if I can get some value there but we got a so, ways to go till Saturday. I'll be pretty brief here with uh my next pick it is on the diamond as you said uh was not paid a cent to give this out by our producer Alex but I am taking his nats uh on a pretty short money line as our short chalk excuse me on the road against the Miami Marlins. I will admit uh, this, this certainly could be a little fishy, no pun intended, but um, I, I, I will swallow the 12 cents of juice. It looks like minus $1.10, minus $1.15. I said 12 cents, minus 112 at Bet Online right now. But nonetheless, uh, the Nats, the like, don't look now, but they're 9 and 1 in their last 10. And they're a game below 500 and in the NL East, you know, you're in it if you're 500 for better or for worse. And everybody's looking up at the Mets and the Nats just came to the bank and took two over the Phillies. 
and I do think that they're going to keep the train rolling down in South Florida, primarily because, as I said, they're, they're coming in hot and they really bust. The main reason I like this is because of the offensive showing that we saw from Washington. 13 runs today uh, in Philly against the Phils. Uh, they were able to score uh, a combined 11 runs in their final two wins against the Mets in what was a three out of four series victory for them. So I think the bats have started to get going a little bit for Washington. And then I, I always like to look at the home road splits uh, with the pitchers and uh, the starting pitcher for Washington in this game is Joe Ross, who's actually done a nice job away from Nationals Park this season in road starts. Uh, he's slightly north of three. Um, and opponents are only hitting 219 against him uh, when he is pitching on the road. Opponent on base percentage only 314, weighted on base 298. So I, I think a pitcher that maybe is a little undervalued as far as the way he's performed, particularly on the road with a Nats team that's coming in red hot. I like the curly W's on the road against the curly W's. Pick. Yeah, I've I never came heard up with that. that. I'm stealing that. I have heard called that before. Wow. Yeah, I've never. I like it. I'm definitely (laughs) going to use that. The curly W's. I almost feel like it's a a backhanded compliment almost happened. I like that. I like that. Okay. It does roll off the tongue a little better than just saying, you know, it's funny. uh, When we we do these things and when we talk sports, I've often, often found myself, you want to try and come up with different ways of saying the same thing, right? Like instead of first quarter, you might say first period or, or first uh, stanza or whatever. And so, right. you know, you, you could say the nickname, you could say the city. Um, and sometimes you want to just come up with something totally different than that, just to break up the monotony of saying nationals, 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 or Washington, Washington, Washington. So uh, there you go. The curly W's for me, minus uh, the short price, on the road um, for a baseball pick. Uh, looks like my book is out to $1.18, so uh, I'd probably play it up to minus $1.20. You are going to keep us uh, in the state of Florida and look to the American League East team in the state, and that is the Tampa Bay Wander Francos. Oh, yes, yes, Mr. Wander. <laughs> Mr. Franco picking up a home run right in his first. Was it his yeah. first plate appearance or was it was it later? I don't in the know. Game? You know, I just I know saw you. I don't know when in the game it was. All right, so yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to be playing the Rays in this one. They're they're, they're playing the Bo Sox, who are in a spot that I like to fade. Uh, By the way, coming, I said staying in Florida. Is this game at Fenway or is it at the Trop? This game is at the Trop because this oh, is right. this is half the reason why. Well, it's probably most of the reason why. Uh, I'm going to be playing it. Uh, you get Boston, who, who's on a road trip. This is their eighth game, uh, and this is the last game of the trip before they head back uh, to face the almighty Yankees. So you got to figure Boston's looking ahead, uh, headed home. They're not really going to be caring too, too much about this game. Most teams at the end of these road trips, they just don't look like the same team that they were when they entered the road trip or when they get back home. Uh, so I'm going to really be fading Boston here more than I'm riding Tampa Bay. Uh, but I will be playing the Rays in this one. 
Also, slight leans on the Reds and Twins. Um, both system plays. They're coming off a day rest. They're playing at home. Um, and you'll typically see these lines, you know, when you first look at it, you're going to say, eh, this kind of seems a little off. And when you dive into it, that's that's one of the reasons why they seem a bit off. It's because they had that day rest and, and they're and they're at home. Um, and then the other play I'm going to have is is a, a, one of our buddies, uh, Mr. Showtime, would have called the Showtime special. Uh, <laughs> two big faves here. And I'm not taking them just because they're two big faves. Uh, they are a, a very, very profitable system play that I've had. Uh, over the course of the MLB season. Um, these are teams that were previously swept uh, against the teams that they're facing. This is the next time they meet, and they're at least a minus 130 favorite. Both of these teams are going to be in the minus 200 category. Way, way too juicy to play on their own, so I'm going to take them in a money line parlay. Astros, Dodgers, plus 110. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to be playing it for at least three units. I'm going to look at it a little bit more tonight and into tomorrow morning. There's a very, very strong possibility that I'm going to end up making that a five-unit bomb play. Again, the way the system has worked over the course of the year has been tremendous, uh, and any team that's been north of 150 has won. They, there's been no losses on the season. I think there's only two losses in total on the system this season. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to be playing the Astros and Dodgers, a little Showtime special. One last baseball pick for me before we get to our consensus play to wrap up, up our podcast. Uh, I, I'm actually going to look to a baseball total. I don't uh, actually I shouldn't say that um, I, I do play uh, some baseball totals every now and then. One just general preference of mine when it comes to baseball totals. I like to go over for the full game and under in the first five uh, just because if I'm going under, it's normally a bet on the starting pitching. So I don't want the bullpens to uh, get in the way of me going under and losing in the late innings. It's not to say I won't play full game unders, but I like first five unders. And then conversely, the the variance of a bullpen, uh, you know, like tonight, or Aldis Chapman gave up a couple of runs. The Yankees ended up winning the game. I believe it was 4-3 when Chapman came in uh, against Kansas City. Kansas City went ahead 5-4 only for the Yankees to win the game 6-5. So certainly that would have looked like an un- that would have been an under at 4-3. Ends up going over, and that's a roll to Chapman. You know, so, so I, I just think the variance of bullpens, even with good relievers, uh, lends like wants me to take full game overs. And that's what I'm doing in this NL Central matchup between the Pirates and the Cardinals. Neither one of these teams is playing that well right now, which also kind of makes me like this. The Cardinals just lost a pair of games against the Detroit Tigers, who are obviously a cellar dweller in the American League Central. And not only did they lose, but they gave up 14 runs in those two games in the Motor City. So now they come back home uh, and you're seeing a total of just nine here in a game that features two starting pitchers in Chad Kuehl and Carlos Martinez, whose ERAs are above five. You know, that that just feels too low for me. Uh, neither one of these bullpens is very good anyway, as I just referenced with St. Louis allowing all those runs to Detroit and, uh, of course, Pittsburgh. I mean, they've been at the bottom of this division for pretty much the entire season. So no reason for me to think that they're going to keep uh, the Cardinals at bay offensively. Uh, I, I think that we easily get to double digits here as far as uh, runs scored in the game. And so I will go over 
at Bush Stadium between the Pirates and the Cardinals. Let's wrap things up with a consensus play in the National Basketball Association as it's Game 3 at Staples Center between the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. Phoenix leading two games to none. The Suns have won a very impressive nine consecutive playoff games having trailed the Lakers two games to one in the first round, winning the last three of that series, sweeping the Denver Nuggets, and now winning the first two against the other occupant in the Staples Center, the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, Having said all of that, I'll get us started with the Clippers for me. Uh, I'm probably just going to play them on the money line. Um, Looks like you can get them around even money at most shops. Uh, my book currently dealing a minus 105 on the short dog for the Clippers. But nonetheless, uh, it's probably where I'm looking. Primarily because we talk a lot about these kinds of fishy lines, trappy lines during our college basketball pods, which we do pretty religiously in the fall and through the winter here. And this certainly looks like one of those lines where I don't see how you can play Phoenix because here are the Suns just on a complete tear, as I said, having won nine in a row. And even in a game in which the Clippers battled back like they did in the fourth quarter on Tuesday night in Phoenix, the Suns still find a way to get it done. Granted, Paul George contributed with some missed free throws there at the end. Having said that, uh, Point being is it doesn't feel like there's a game that Phoenix, they're just finding way after way after way to win. And here they are as a very short favorite with Chris Paul likely returning in, can we say, a a revenge spot against the Clippers here against, you know, at Staples Center. Like you would think there'd be some more respect in the marketplace for Phoenix here. And we're just not seeing it. And I also think the Clippers are weirdly comfortable here down 0-2, having come back from 0-2 in the first two rounds against Dallas and Utah. And Kawhi Leonard or not, I'm not saying they're going to come back again because Phoenix is certainly playing well enough where losing one game seems to be a tall order for the Suns, much less four out of five. But having said that, um, I think that there's a lot of belief with the Clippers still, and we'll see. Maybe they're a little dejected after the way game two ended, but Paul George getting a chance to run the show for an NBA team for the first time in, you know, six, seven years, going back to when he was in Indiana because he was always kind of the Robin to Russell Westbrook's Batman and then obviously now Kawhi Leonard with the Clippers. So he is obviously for the most part stepped up. Um, and I got to give Ty Lue some credit too. I mean, you know, a guy that seemed to always kind of ride off the coattails of the, uh, you know, impressive nature of coaching LeBron and everything that happened there in 2016. He's certainly making a name for himself now. Uh, Ty Lue winning the end of that Utah series without Kawhi. Um, so I, I just don't think the Clippers are going to fold. That, that's really the main thing why I like them here. They've been so competitive in the first two games, despite Phoenix winning both, that I think they can be competitive a third time and uh, just be on the right side of this score. 
And like I said, with Phoenix having won nine in a row and getting Chris Paul back, we know Kawhi Leonard is not going to be out there for the Clippers. And yet this line still only Phoenix laying one. Uh, it just feels like uh, it's a little bit of a trap and, and you're getting baited into taking Phoenix. And I would not fall for it. And I, I do think for what it's worth, like Phoenix is going to lose a game. Like they might win the NBA championship, but there's going to be a loss somewhere here. They're not going to sweep the Clippers too. I think the Clippers rise up here and get a W on their home floor. Can they get all the way back? I don't know. I do think they get within a game on Thursday night. Yeah, I don't I don't think that L.A. Uh, is going to be able to win this series for sure. Um, and if they're going to win a game, this is going to be it. You know, if they lose if they lose tomorrow night, it's over. Um, I think they will fold at home uh, and get swept if they were to lose this game. I, I don't think they will. Uh, most of the reasons you stated. Um, one thing that you didn't talk about, uh, and I'm just going to put this claimer out there, that if you don't agree with taking the Clippers in this game, my reasoning behind uh, taking First them is going. What's that? No, no, no. Uh, I'm saying if, that, that's if, been if, a good system that down 0-2 going back home, play the team down in the first half. Oh, I have not been following yeah, that. But. Yeah, no, that's been well, not necessarily this year. That's like a historic good system uh, that goes back to, I think, uh, 15, 20 years now. Wow. Wow. Yeah. OK. Um, but what I was going to say is you didn't mention the fact that uh, Clippers them, are favorite, by the way, in the first half to back that point up. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh about Devin Booker having a broken nose. He's going to be putting a mask on. Oh, yeah, you, God, you never God. know how it's going to affect players. Yeah. <laughs> the oddest one, I think, right, was was Rip Hamilton, who, like, loved it so much. It was like, okay, I'm <laughs> yeah. going to wear a but mask for the rest of my career. Even when he was completely healthy. Exactly, yeah. Um, but, look, I think that's going to play a factor in somebody like Devin Booker. Look, he's one of the best players on the planet. But, you know, you put the mask on, it's something that you're not comfortable with. He's, he doesn't have much time to get used to it. Um and I'm saying all this, and I, what I'm saying is if, if you don't agree with my Clippers play, go out there and hammer Devin Booker over in points because if <laughs> I'm going to be wrong about it, I'm going to be wrong in that fact, and Devin Booker's is probably just going to go off. But I'm going to be playing the Clippers here. But let me say this. I, I, as a Sixers fan, am really, really pulling for this Suns team. Um, and I think a lot of people out there are. Phoenix has not been in this position Probably since I guess what when Dan Marley and and uh, and Barkley were on the same team well, together. I think Dan Tony probably got him to the conference finals. Oh, and, I'm sorry, you're right. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're Johnson right. And Amari. I mean, the Clippers have never been to the conference finals, though. True, but yeah. they're the Clippers, and uh, I don't really care. And they got whatever. Um, yeah, I'm gonna be pulling for the Suns here, and and specifically for. It Clippers. has been a good story, though, for sure. I mean, it is. you know, like for the. The whole regular season, we saw Utah and Phoenix at the top of the West, and I think everybody was just inclined to think fool's gold or regular season teams. Right. And they'll meet their match when it comes to meet their, um, I don't know what the expression is, but uh, nonetheless, uh, they will kind of, the clock will strike midnight, if you will, come playoffs. Obviously, Phoenix was a pretty hefty underdog on the series price against the Lakers. Um, I have to think they were favored, though, against De- Denver with Murray out. But having said that, uh, you know, it's I, there is a nice mix on this Suns roster too. Of you get Chris of veterans and youth. You get Chris Paul back. You got Jay Crowder, who's been around the block with a few different teams in the playoffs. Um, and, and obviously, you mentioned Booker and and Aiton and the Nova guy, Mikael Bridges. 
all talented young guys that are, are getting their first Cameron taste. Payne. You know, yeah, right. There you go. And 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 really aren't backing away from the moment. Um, and you know, Monty Williams, I think, is a pretty likable coach. So, yeah, yeah I, I I hear you as far as the rest of the series. Uh, and and pulling for Phoenix. Uh, you know, and, and hey, I, I was gonna I was gonna ask you which of these teams you would uh, give a better chance to take down the box. And then I just remembered Atlanta won. So I guess we. Shouldn't be fast forwarding uh, Milwaukee out of the East just yet. Yeah, no, I wouldn't at all. I mean, this is typical uh, of Atlanta what they've done the, in the past couple and, and of let's series, not right? Yet, like this is a Milwaukee team that like has been known for chokes. Like, oh yeah. Last year against Miami, up 2-0 two years ago in the conference finals against Toronto and lost. Like, uh, it's not exactly. Uh, a team that, when it's supposed to be easy, it ends up being easy for them. No, no, not at all. They they seem to shy away in big moments. So, yeah, I wouldn't put I wouldn't slot Milwaukee into the finals uh, just yet. So there he is, Bill Christie, Lucha Larry on gambling Twitter at Larry's Locks too. A consensus play for us here to wrap up full slate on a Thursday. You listen to this. We finish up recording on a Wednesday night. Consensus play. On the L.A. Clippers uh, to, hey, they as bad as they were at home against Dallas until Game 7. They've actually now won four straight home games, mm-hmm. uh, winning all three of their home games against Utah and winning that Game 7. Uh, hey, I certainly hope we don't need another 40-point Terrence Mann game. Don't catch oh <laughs> Yeah, I don't think we're going to need it. As I said, he's Bill Christie at Larry's Fox 2 on Gambling Twitter. I'm Greg Frank at Undercover Greg. Give the podcast a follow as well. Our producer, Alex, managing that account at full underscore slate underscore pod. Bill, always fun. I'm sure we'll chat again soon. Hope you get settled into that new home. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. All righty. There he is, Bill Christie. I'm Greg Frank. Everyone, enjoy your Thursdays. Enjoy your weekends. Enjoy the playoff hockey, playoff basketball, baseball. We got a lot going on. Travelers Championship. Uh, So certainly get the remotes out and utilize the previous channel button. And we hope we can help you make a few extra dollars heading into your weekend on Thursday. Again, this has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Enjoy your Thursdays. Enjoy your weekend. And of course, please play responsibly.